last night I wanted to watch a movie, but I I was tired and I kind of just wanted to watch something that I'd already seen. So if I zonked out or whatever, it wouldn't matter. And I wanted something kind of brainless, but not stupid. <laughs> so what did you choose? And I, and I wanted to watch it while I was in bed. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I was tired. I rewatched uh, What's His Name and What's His Name Fight Evil. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Dale and Tucker. Yeah, Tucker and Dale. Yeah. yeah, Alan Tudyk and the other guy. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that full thing. Actually. Oh God, it's so it's so good. Yeah, it's just a good good spoof of spoof of slasher movies, but they kind of they reverse it. And there's one character that he's the preppy asshole kid from every '80s camp uh-huh. movie. He even has his collar up. <laughs> but but the actor it he's doing, and you don't notice it at first, and then you realize this actor is he's doing Tom Cruise. But as a preppy '80s asshole, which is which, unbelievable, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is how he got his start. But yeah, and I mean, he does the move, the movements, and everything. Except it's like older Tom Cruise's like action movements. Gosh, <laughs> but and it's really funny because it's no nobody brought you know nobody mentions it or anything. It's just I realized it. I think the first time halfway through the movie, I was like, "Why is this so familiar?" And he even does some of the like the way he talks, and even kind of looks a little bit like Tom Cruise. So maybe that's. That's pretty fun. Somebody pointed that out and he was like, yeah, let's do this. Welcome to The Comics Place Presents, a perfectly acceptable podcast, a delightful comic book experience, a a comic book pop culture uh, sort of asylum, if you will, a place for you to put your head into the sand, pretend that nothing out in the world is going on except for comic books and these three boys who are in various states of being three boys at any given time. Uh, This week, it's just me and my buddy Roman. Hi. That Django guy is a hard guy to pin down. Nope. Nope. You got to get the right thickness of rope and the good stakes. Yep. yep. And he like he likes to be not in town. So this weekend he's oh, yeah. at a wedding that's not my wedding, which will be happening three weeks from today. Wow. Good Lord. <laughs> wow. That's soon. Um, so a programming note on that end. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to have a podcast next week. I believe we will. Um, and then we will go on a two-week break for Jeff's wedding um, because Jeff will be getting married and it will be hard to set time aside for that. Roman, will you come to my wedding? Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, well, I guess Jen going to tell you, but yeah, we're coming on the honeymoon too. Oh, excellent. 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 We're, we're going we're gonna to podcast live from Scotland? From my marital bed. <laughs> yes. We're going to podcast live from Jeff's move marital over, bed. Move over, Sam. Come on. Oh, she takes up a lot of room. <laughs> And she eats cookies and crackers that make things <laughs> that I refer to as crummies in the bed. And I think that's a foul behavior because crummies <laughs> should never, ever be in the bed. No, you can't have crummies. No, no, there's uh, there's rules against that uh, in a lot yeah. of different places. Um, but we're going to start this episode like we share, start many of our episodes with an email voicemail from our good, good friend, William Elmer. So without further ado. Hello and happy episode 326. Hey guys, how you doing? Good, great, great.
Grand. Good. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm good. I love it. Um, I'm doing great, too. Thanks, Will. Hey, listen. Okay. I've got a problem. Uh-oh. Well, it's a good problem to have, but Uh-oh. a few weeks okay. ago, I finished Deadly Class, oh. and it was mm-hmm. excellent. It was fantastic. Everybody should read it. Uh, if you started it and didn't finish it, you should finish it, because uh, it's not what it was when it started, and it started great, but it also ended great, and you should definitely check it out. Anyway, uh, now that I've finished it, I'm having trouble getting motivated to read that next great thing. Uh, what do you guys do when you kind of hit that reading slump, and you're moving from one great thing and trying to get started on something else. Do you just take a break and let it breathe? Or is there something else you do to get yourself going on that next read? Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I really like Hello, that Will guy. Happy- oh, so much that oh, we should listen hi. to it again. I <laughs> uh, really like that Will guy. Wow. What a what, what a, a champion. What a swell fella. I wonder if he'll come to my wedding. Well, you should come to my wedding. Andrew, you want to come to my wedding? I'm just giving him out now. Uh, that's a yeah, that's a that's a very good question, Roman. Everyone, I, that makes me also think about a question I'd like to pose to Will when I see him next. Will, did you like the story that Deadly Get Class began as or ended as more? Which of those two stories did you like? That's a question I offer up to anyone who's finished Deadly Class. Roman, what happens to you when you've finished a great thing, comic book reading wise, perhaps even television show watching wise? If you've been binging a show. How do you move on to the next? Because I think it's a very good question. Because when I finish something fantastic, and I'm like, that was fantastic, I'm often like, I need something else equally good or similarly good. But I think oftentimes the things that I love so very, very much are things that surprise me with how much I love them or defy my expectations of it. So it's hard to know if something is going to be fantastic from the outset, unless it's something like The Office or I actually meant to say The Wire. or Ted Lasso but you know you get those things that everyone's like yeah you gotta watch The Wire you gotta watch when you're like all right fine and you finally watch it like yeah it was amazing but um but it's maybe not exciting to start it so what do you do buddy well I'm trying to trying to uh decide how to answer that because that's changed for me um now there's there's just so much good stuff out there to watch I Mm -hmm. I tend to just finish something and boom on to the next thing and to the point that I Sometimes I worry that I'm not giving it enough time to sit and uh, percolate how the whole experience was. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice use of percolate. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you are always making good use of those bong terms. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a coffee term. Damn. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, I think in the past, I I think I would give it a, at least a few days to, to percolate, um, mm-hmm. to ruminate on it. Oh, um, Aren't those yeah. animals with four stomachs? Ruminants, yeah. Ruminate, go. same thing. Ruminants <laughs> like to ruminate. Um, but yeah, now I just boom, 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 so much in succession. I, I, it's, yeah. So do I feel, you have? I feel, the, I feel the press of time because I'm going to die. Have a no, not if I have anything to do with it. it well, do you I have get a, stuff in before I die? Like a long list of the things that you're like, okay, I finished this one, so now here's the next one that you just are moving through constantly. Oh no, no, I don't have a list. I mean, you know, things I've heard about, things. I mean, I mean, you told me years ago about Cowboy Bebop and how good it was, and I it's taken me until how long ago was that? And it's just in this last. I don't know if I've t- talked to you since you finished it though. How were those final two episodes? Oh okay. Oh, it was great. It was great. But it, it took years for you to finally sit down and watch the entire series, which I just did, and now I'm actually got two more episodes of the live action show oh because i watched the anime and i watched the movie and finished the anime and then i was like i want more of spike spiegel and the crew so i'm watching the live show which you know despite what people said it's not bad some of the episodes are great i mean yeah i'm not surprised yeah they they did a lot of work into it 
Um, I have, I don't really, I don't have a list of things that like, okay, I'm going to finish this and then I'm going to go into that. Um, I do definitely find myself when I finish something great comic book wise or, you know, television show wise that I want to, you know, like I said earlier, want to match it with something that is equally good, but that's a hard thing to do from the outside because you never know how you're going to like something. Um, so I, I just have no shortage of enthusiasm or interest in things. So I just like try not to focus on it. And within like two or three days, something will excite me. Um, there's lots of things that do, uh, even just like watching a couple random episodes of cartoonist kayfabe is something that will make me be like, Oh, I need to go look up what this is. Mm, Um, you know, there, if, if I give myself space to be interested in something, I will find something to be interested in because nothing is uh, more fun to me than being obsessed with something. Um, but if I finish something that is like maybe really great in a, you know, maybe objective or more respectable way, maybe something like Deadly Class or, you know, East of West or something like that. Um, I think it's nice to like have a couple back burner type things that you can go through that are very palate cleansing. So like for several years, I've been going through the two omnibuses of Straczynski's Spider-Man and like I'm, I haven't read it in a couple months, but last time I read it, I read like 25 issues in a week. And And that's just kind of how I read that. It's just sort of like, we'll be like, okay, like here's a thing unlike anything I would be asking for. And I think kind of palate cleansing with that uh, kind of salivates my interests and other things just sort of naturally, if that makes sense. Cool. Cool. It does. It does. And God, and that that reminds me, isn't Straczynski returning to Marvel with, is it Spider-Man? Isn't he doing something? Yeah, he is. Or is it like Thor or Hulk or something? Yeah, it's something. Yeah, I can't remember now. It it might be Spider-Man. I know Carrie Andrews coming back to Spider-Man. I know Dan Slott's coming back to Spider-Man. It would be weird to bring another old writer back to (laughs) Spider-Man for an ongoing Spider-Man run. But hey, crazier things have happened. Um, Was there an issue of a... No, it was last week. Um, okay, well, I think we should. I think thank you as always, Will, and thank you for a- editing this podcast, Andrew. As always, as well. Uh, I think we should probably go ahead and talk about some of these F and comic books that came out this week, Roman. F and comic books. F and Jeff and comic books. Episode three hundred twenty-six. <laughs> three times two is six, and that's why you're getting two sixty men here. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like there was a couple notable big books that came out this week. Uh, Big in in a, a sort of multiple multifaceted use of the word, uh, large in page count and big for story reasons. We had the final issue of Night Terrors this week. Uh, we had Marvel Age One Thousand, which was enormous. We had the start of Batman Catwoman, the Gotham War, Goth- yeah, Battle Lines, which was a huge issue, um, and then Action Comics had a big special as well. So no shortage of things to talk about, Roman. Do you think we should kick it off with this giant Marvel Age comic that had a couple fantastic stories in it and a couple marginal stories in it? Yes. Damn it was... I, I ruined the spine of my copy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I maybe rubbed a little bit of that blank ink off yeah. here myself. I, I, I was sitting there being so careful with the covers, and then I felt like on my thumb, the, the spine resting on my thumb. I was like, oh, no, it feels like it's melting. Yep, sure enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can always tell it. I mean, I don't know that we need to be granular and go through every single aspect of this thing. Um, nah. I think the first two stories were fine. There was like the torch and Spider-Man. I, I will say that I really liked the uh, Ryan Stegman art in Spider-Man. That was awesome. I, I love the Human Torch story because it was the original Human Torch. Yeah. 
Mark Wade. I was not going to read the X-Men story by Rainbow Rowell and Margaret Selvage, but I got a page into it and that one actually just pulled me through and I really, really liked it because it was sort of like high school melodrama in the yeah. way that like Rainbow Rowell is fantastic at writing high school melodrama. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, yeah. And I really like the art too. Yeah. It's soft. Um, yeah. Very soft. I like that. There's the scene where she goes into her bedroom and it's like, you know, a dormitory. It's got like four beds next to each other. Cause all the girls mm. sleep in that room. And I was like, yeah, I want an X-Men book about like, you know, all of them living together, you know, like very junior high Degrassi. Like that's what I want. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I I liked that. It, it definitely had me. I would read more uh, X Men by Rainbow Rowell. That seems like a no brainer to me. I wonder why she hasn't written one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a fun book. Yeah, um, she Runaways, which is close. I like the Cap Captain Marvel yeah. um, story by Dan Slott and the Alreds. Yeah, fun. I mean, you get great Allred art in it. Captain Marvel's always a slight hard sell for me because I don't really know his origins and his Cree stuff, and you know, just what is what ones are different, but I did think ultimately it was a nice little message at the end of it of just sort of like the Cree needed him to stop this ship from leaving earth because they thought it was going to threaten their mission and he stops it. And it turns out it was just the ship that was sending out like music into the world as a gift. But I did like that all red page of all the famous musicians on the final yeah. page. Yeah, that was cool. Marvel gets to listen to music and it brings him to tears. Like, damn, that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. And you're right. It's funny. I'd forgotten that in the story, there's dialogue. I was like, oh, wow, I forgot that Marvel was like pre only pretending to be a superhero or something originally. <laughs> but they did a good job of teaching me that without belaboring that yeah. point. Like it was just in that afterthought thing. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah, it was really well done. It wasn't that it wasn't like, oh, here's the exposition dump. Right. Exactly. Uh, the Daredevil book. I liked the art. It was Andy Kubert. It was Adam Kubert, who I like. It was just a pretty diverse style for him. Like he kind of jumped around for different styles throughout it, which I thought was pretty cool. I didn't think it was the most interesting story, but I did like the art in it. It's just kind of a nothing Daredevil story. Yeah, the art. Yeah, the art was good. Yeah, but yeah, I when I finished, I was like, wait, what? What was this about? Oh I, God, the Silver Surfer one. Yeah, this Silver Surfer story is. One of the most beautiful I, I, things I've seen. Yeah, I hope this is remembered as a future classic and it's reprinted many, many times. This is yeah. just a great story. Well, you, you just saying that made me think about the the aspect of parable that this seems sort of similar to. Because if I look at McNiven's art in this, it even seems a little bit Mobius-esque hmm. for that. You know, like even that first picture of him standing on the surfboard. Not necessarily the story of Parable, but just like, you know, the old Stanley Mobius Silver oh, Surfer yeah. story. Like there's just some of this art reminds me of that. And, you know, Silver Surfer is one of those characters that you can do short stories with so phenomenally. Like there was the annual that Araujo did art for that I loved. There was um, Parable. There's this one. There was uh, that, a particular one shot in Dan Slott's run that we all like gave a 10 or something. Like, you can just tell these amazing sort of almost Doctor Who has short stories with him. And um, but yeah, just him talking to Mephisto. Yeah. 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 yeah right. It's, it's one of the unique things. Well, it, one of the things about the Silver Surfer and about the Doctor is there are these outsiders that are just great observers of humanity and they're very human themselves, but they're also outside of that. So you can just set up all sorts of fantastic stories with them. Yeah. And I just like 
this is a really interesting McNiven style. There's all this like really dense cross hatching going on that adds texture to the to the like flesh of everybody. Um, and it kind of makes me think a bit about Frank Quitely as well. Yeah, yeah. And this is a I don't think I've ever seen McNiven do this style. Me neither. Before. This is I was I was like, wow, this is McNiven. He's one of my I like f- anyway. Yeah, he's one of my favorite artists, but he's just keeps whipping out different styles. Like this is really, really gorgeous looking. And the coloring is incredible too, I should see. Yeah, yeah and the, he and did the coloring as well. Incredible. Yeah, he did it all. And the sequencing, I mean, there's a two page spread where six panels and it's amazing how it's shot from like looking up at the surfer and Mephisto and Mephisto is growing in size until the surfer ends up cupped in Mephisto's palm. And, 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 and with what Mephisto is saying, which is a kind of very poetic way of saying, you know, you're screwed if you think humanity is worth it, basically. Um, it's just gorgeously done. It's incredibly done. Yeah, the art is absolutely stunning. And yeah, I love the theme of it and the kind of the message at the end, which is sort of this idea of like, yeah, you you think humanity will never turn from evil, but I also like they'll never turn away from good either, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I just it was it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And ending that and that way, too, with, you know, the the like the core of the Silver Surfer is he's this noble philosopher type and ending there with his nobility and then the silence of the last panel is just yeah. oh, it's so good that story alone is a 10 <laughs> yeah i i totally agree and there are images in this like the very first one and the very last one uh in that little mini that evoked the same feeling inside of me of being a little kid and looking at the silver surfer just like this long flat board and just i don't know that this like really cool there's something you know very resonant about his character design and stuff like it's lived on for a long time for a reason yeah yeah one of jack kirby's best designs yeah i agree and it's just a naked dude with a board but damn <laughs> Cosmic Surf. Uh, the next one was the Jason Aaron Pepe Larraz Girl Who Hates Superheroes. I actually liked that one quite a bit myself. I did too. Yeah, that was probably yeah. my second favorite story in the book. Yeah, I think so. Pepe Larraz got some gorgeous art in there. But yeah, just a kid who's got a grudge against superheroes who ultimately has it disproven in a, just a very human way. It, uh, it was just a really well-conceptualized character that we could spend, you know, only like eight pages with her and kind of really understand her and understand how this inciting incident could change her, her view on the world. Like, I, I thought it was great. And it was also just great to have Jason Aaron get to write a little bit more Lady Thor. Yeah, yeah. And that last story... Um... Oh, and which is by Straczynski and Kari Andrews. <laughs> this is the only one I didn't read. Oh, okay. Is and it you good? know, it, it's fun. It's it's good. Uh, and the last page by Kari Andrews is beautiful because it looks so much like um, John Saravan's artwork from oh, like, yeah. the Silver Age of Marvel. I really had to look at it to think: is this this is the same artist? And it's, and it's not because at first I thought this looks so much like John Saravan, or that is this like cut and paste figures Dude. of his? But no. Carrie Andrews has so many styles. It's incredible. And they are so good at all of them. Like, you know, the amazing fantasy series they did a year or so ago, like had just a very cartoony art style. Renato Jones had a very different art style. This mini is incredibly different from that stuff. Uh, Really, really, really diverse artist. Cool. Cool. Well, this last story, you should read it because it's just because it's, should I I tell you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The kids that are talking, and it's just these kids talking in the yard. Um, it's little Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Oh, I would. I wish <laughs> I did. I love you can tell which one's Jack and you can see which one's fucking yeah. annoying, Stan Lee. 
and then yeah. Ditko. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I can't wait to read it now. I love when they do this with stuff. Yeah, and I guess it's not too much a spoiler because I think you realize it on the second page or something. Oh yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. Yeah, as with these, and I thought like the little write up in the end was also nice to add context to what this was because I didn't know what it was on Wednesday. You know, like hmm. why is this existing? And they're like, yeah, we did that. You know, like Spider Amazing Fantasy one thousand, we did Marvel one thousand, and so we're just kind of do these like once a year giant ass anthologies that highlight a different aspect of what it means to be Marvel characters. Yeah, yeah, and he did a good job. The editor um, did Burble. a good job mm-hmm. of getting people together because. You know, it's a pretty incredible with, team. Yeah, with the exception, I mean, the Daredevil story is the weakest story. Usually in these anthologies, there's a lot of weak stories. But and even the Daredevil story, I mean, the art is beautiful. Yeah, um, it's just the story itself that's kind of weak. Yep. But this is almost all good. Yeah, and you definitely have a ten in there for it. Mm-hmm. So trying to view this entire book as a whole. I'm going to say 8.5. And I think the worst stories I read were like seven and a half to an eight. But yeah. taking into a price, like the yeah, the the price and stuff into account, I think I'm going to give it an 8.5. Yeah, I, I agree with all those scores. I mean, yeah, the Silver Surfer story is a 10. The the story right after it, um, which I already it's, forgot. Yeah, the girl, the girl who hates superhero. Super, that's like a nine that, and a half for me. Yeah, that was at least a nine and a half. Yeah. I, I would give the X-Men one like a nine or a nine and a half. Yeah, I, and I love the original Human Torch, so I'd give that one a nine. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, all right, and um, we don't have Django here, so we're not recording those scores into the podcast machine on the oh, website. Oh, I got, I got I to fill in for Django. Um, <laughs> Stupid joke, blah, fire <laughs> I wore meat on my shirt on Friday. Um, oh, there's one book I f- forgot to bring in here that we do God, need I, to I don't, talk about. I don't know any chance. I'm sorry. Oh, bye. Believe, me. <laughs> Believe me, buddy, it's okay. You think um, I know Django's chance. I don't have hamana, this. Hamana, hamana, hamana. Yeah, religion and politics is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't have this issue with me because we sold out at the store. But did you read Action Comics Doomsday Special by Dan Waters? Oh, we sold out. I better bring mine back. I did. Nice. I I just liked this a lot. And I think it's maybe the like 1989 baby in me. But it's just sort of like based on the last Doomsday story, Doomsday got sent to like hell. And um, this is Supergirl and the Martian Manhunter basically getting pulled down to hell by is it Mephisto? No, it's DC. No, Uh, but it looks but it looks just like I thought this was clever. It's the devil. And they just outright call him the devil. So I'm like, wow, is this? The first appearance of the devil in DC Comics. Yeah, like the first evil and stuff. But, but yeah, he he looks like Mephisto, except he's colored like sickly green, blue with the yeah. red cape with the with the big collar thing. But he pulls him down to hell and he's basically just like, you guys need to get Doomsday out of here. And they're like, yeah, right. And he's like, well, hell is an unending string of tortures that are meant to destroy you. And Doomsday's whole thing is that he you know gets stronger after torture every like you know opponent and a terrible thing he encounters so he's becoming essentially unstoppable down here given his normal power and these unending waves of hell and i just loved that idea i loved like him sitting on a chair of skulls like ruling over hell um trying to get out and the kind of inevitable fear associated with him getting out because Uh, Dan Waters did a really great job at the very beginning of Supergirl kind of asking Clark about Doomsday and his response is like, you know, kind of vague, but also just like horrific. And I I just thought it was a very evocative issue. 
Yeah. And I was really surprised because I picked it up thinking, well, I want to know what's going on, but I was kind of expecting a throwaway issue. Yeah. And it was me great. I mean, the art was beautiful. I mean, I mean, hell looks really awful and hellish and nasty. Yeah. Um, and I love the Martian Manhunter. I really like Supergirl's new costume. I don't know when this appeared, but I really dig it. And she was um, just a badass protagonist to be following around throughout all of this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess the Martian Manhunter doesn't have the weakness to fire anymore. They've, I yeah I guess or if yeah that's the, I think there was right. some kind of yeah I think there was some kind of psychological thing where somebody helped him like overcome that yeah um but yeah I was really surprised and I love that that uh, that uh, hook with Doomsday that he's getting more and more powerful the longer he's in hell and that the densens of hell the souls believe that he's a badass so it keeps becoming more and more of a badass yeah to the point the devil's like help me out guys yeah i just thought it was a really great way of kind of doing a little loophole with what it is that it you know is doomsday's backstory and everything and and, and uh filling that in i thought it was just a very interesting doomsday story i think it's easy to just make him a big strong person and that's the extent of it yeah yeah and i i was gonna look this up and i i didn't remember to it, i mean if this is the first appearance of dc's the devil wow cool and he's nasty and he looks good. Just and, it, oh, and I love the way it ends too with the, a callback to like Doomsday's first appearances where he's just like, the sound is increasing as he gets closer and, and, and pounding on things. That's awesome. Well, I guess he's been in like, I guess, Sandman and Preacher. Oh, well, yeah, that definitely. But that's Vertigo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not actually finding... Yeah, because usually they do like Marvel does, where there's like satanish and all these variations. Trigon of the and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, I gave that one a nine. I'm I'm kind of street stretching on it. I could have gone eight point five, but you know what? There's a there's a nine year old inside of me that was really excited to read that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. A nine. Um. Excellent work, buddy. Okay. Well, let's uh <laughs> let's possibly rain a little bit on a parade. I just oh. want to hear. Not to put an opinion inside of you, I haven't said mine yet, and I haven't talked to you about this yet, but based on your readings of the last two issues, what is your experience with The Incredible Hulk, issue number three by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Nick Klein, colors by Matthew Wilson? Roman's possibly favorite character has a new book, and it's issue three, and Roman wasn't crazy about the first two. How are you feeling now? Um, It's fine. You know, it's, it's, it is good and atmospheric. I mean, it's, I think it, fulfills what it's trying to do which is being a a spooky but not as scary as the immortal hulk series but there's some elder god stuff going on and it's spooky and atmospheric and hulk's all long-haired and 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 angry and mean i mean the art's cool i mean i'm not so it's it's well done for what it is i just i i don't know it's hard to follow up immortal hulk i mean it is but i mean and and this is probably better than that Donny Cates stuff that came out between yeah. this and Immortal Hulk. Yeah, I think it is better than that, except for a couple issues that I really yeah, dug because they really ones. went like over the top sci-fi yeah. craziness in, toward the end. Um, but this goes kind of not quite over the top, but it's getting kind of nearing there with Elder God type stuff. And there's a definitely a Cthulian type monster. Yeah. In this, the Hulk has to fight. I'll say... Oh, sorry, please. All, you know, I was just going to say that. All, and it's all it's all well done. Yeah, it is pretty well done. I think it took me like four and a half minutes to read this issue. And like, I <laughs> yeah, read a little true. slower than Django. There's like like a third of the issue are just images behind a song. And I think that that's something I don't particularly care for in comics is like when song lyrics 
that you haven't heard and it's not a song you know are just sort of the main thing you're reading for pages. Yeah. Can I can I can I, can I ask a little sidebar here? Yeah, yeah. Um, and because it occurred to me when I was reading this issue, and it's occurred to me before when I'm reading a, a song in a comic. Now you're a musician, so when you come across those kind of things, do you do you sometimes start like filling in how the music for the song or how the song might sound? Well, I mean, so in this case, there's no notes indicated here. So there's no melody really indicated, but like on, you know, like the first big double page spread, the lyrics are cause to him be the glory to him, be the glory to him, be the glory and the great below, you know, in the way that great below is divided. Like that's pretty iambic pentameter. Cause to him be the glory, to him be the glory, to him be the glory in the great below. Yeah, whatever. You can just whatever on it. Um, But like to me, it's just that there's not a lot to be gleaned from the lyrics of the song outside of it's just sort of like an ode to a hell demon. And the second issue was really quick. And this one was very quick as well. Just that we're three issues in. I guess that this did you know, I guess this one finally had a little bit of direction to it. Like the kid is kind of joined forces with Hulk and he's sympathetic towards her because he realizes that she's not friends with Banner. So now they're teamed yeah. up. And if, you know, like, yeah, 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 it was, it was, <laughs> it was better than ish. I think it was probably my favorite of the three. Maybe, maybe not as good as issue one, but better than two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree with that. And the, uh, with this ending, I was like, oh, when the Hulk saves her, I was like, oh, nice Hulk. Yeah. And, and then with this ending, I was like, oh, so it's cool. So they're going to do the um, kind of the old Jim Wilson. Jim Wilson was like a black teenager who was befriended the Hulk back in, I don't know, in the early 70s Okay. and hung out with Hulk. He was kind of the Rick Jones replacement and he hung out with Hulk for a while. And then I think Peter David uh, killed him off. He died of uh, AIDS oh. during Peter David's run. <laughs> wow. And yeah, Jim Wilson. And actually, I guess he's a cousin of Sam Wilson or something like that. They were Peter David also revealed. Wow. Um I so just, yeah, they're going to do that. Yeah, for me, with like my Hulk, I don't know. I don't think that it meshes super well with like kind of zombie monster. I, I just that isn't necessarily a thing I particularly care for in my superhero comics. It just never quite feels like it fits or anything. I can take big Cthulian monsters like giant ones, but this is sort of like a cult church. And it's like, OK, Hulk, you could just kill all these people. You yeah, know, which he ultimately does. So, yeah. OK, we, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad it's. It- a little more positive than it has been. Yeah, me too. And and, and I'm looking forward to the next issue because it's got the man thing, another one of my favorite Marvel weird, weird superheroes. So I'm hoping that's a good issue. Does it? How do we know it has the man thing? Oh, it's on the cover. Wow. Says, okay. Next, next issue. riddle of the man thing. Wow. And then, that's and, cool. and then, yeah, the next issue is a pretty cool image, actually. Yeah. They're so they're so verdant. Verdant. So the more you give the old Hulk. Hey, and I just realized on this next issue page, it shows... Is Hulk burning? Hulk shouldn't be burning because he. Well, doesn't Man Thing have like that fire touch or something? Doesn't Man? Well, yeah, Thing but it's have... o- but it's only supposed to whosoever knows fear burns with oh, the Man Thing's touch. But okay. Hulk wouldn't fear him, especially because he's been him before. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But Stupid anyway, power. I would give it. What would I give it? I would give it. I think I'd give it a seven, maybe a seven point five. I wrote down seven point five, so I'm with you there in that. Um. Another quick book to tackle on this here rundown of ours. So Night Terrors, Night's In, number one. Uh, the third main <laughs> series of Night Terrors, if you include the first one shot and yeah. the next one shot. I'm laughing because I forgot that I read that. <laughs> Just issue six of six of what should have been Night Terrors, a six-issue miniseries. Um, it's, it's over. <laughs> and 
you know, I'll I'll say all in all, I it was not as bad as a lot of event comics that I've read. It if it had been like five issues, it would have been even better and more, more well paced. I think the main story character was not very very good, but I think some interesting things happened. I liked getting to see Sandman in here, the original Sandman. I thought just spending this many issues with Dead Man is cool because that's not a common occurrence for me. There was some cool kind of creepy bits that happened. Uh, Dead Man gets buried alive again or dies or whatever. And then Batman goes to sleep for several weeks. And then we get our obligatory, stupid Amanda Waller appearance of the week in the back of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I guess the most major thing is, so now apparently Boston Brand has finally been allowed to be at peace and move on. Yeah, that seems like a big deal. It does seem like we let Boston Brand die. Yeah. Which I can't believe that's going to stay that way. But that was a pretty big move. It's it's a big move, Roman. It's not quite as big of a move as the fact that they got those two items. The 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 Dr. Fate's helmet and the hate stone. And they fused together to make a robot looking Kang called Dr. Hate. (laughs) That seems pretty fucking big to me. Oh, Dr. that might be hate. Maybe that's why Dead Man will have to come back to fight Doctor Hate. Yeah, I, I'm all in all pretty into that that character's character design. <laughs> that's that's fine with me. I'm and I'm relieved that they didn't do something like really dumb and like bring Wesley Dodds the Sandman like back to life and now he's like fighting crime you know with the titans or something <laughs> that said he does have a six issue miniseries that was just solicited don't, so i don't know it's it could be it mu- it, it must be set yeah 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 i hope it yeah it's set in the 40s <laughs> yeah this book had some very interesting art in it um and not necessarily interesting in a very good way it had <laughs> howard Parter, porter Giuseppe Camicoli and Trevor Harrison, who I think he was maybe the culprit for being some of the weakest parts of this. There was some awesome Howard Harrison. Porter. There's not some great Harrison. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, uh, uh, Harrison. <laughs> Harrison. Oh, Roman. That's uh, what I always think. That's what's always had it happening in my head when somebody says his name. Really? No, yeah, because I'm a 12 year old. You want to explore that? What's hair sign mean to you? I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it sounds like something dirty and gross. Oh, I know wow. offense to Trevor, but well, thank I'm you. Sure he, I'm sure he's heard it his whole life. Given our listeners a real gift here today with that sidebar. <laughs> um, okay. What do we give that one? Because we all know that I have oh. a, a date with Chinese food this evening. Yes. Um, Finish this in time. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it like a 6.5. Yeah, that seems fair. I'll go 6.5 also. All right. Cool. I'm back. Yay. Okay, Roman. So yeah. what I had to go grab from my room, and I'm curious, it's out of the ordinary. Did you take home a copy of The Devil's Cut from Distillery? I did. Okay, it's a black label size book, and it's the first offering from a new publisher called Distillery, but it's just D-S-T-L-R-Y. Distillery. Distillery. How which... you pronounce distillery when you're really drunk. Yeah, exactly. Which is a company that has been started from the right up in the back. And it seems like the tense of it starting is very much like what Image originally was doing when it started, which is basically having a company owned by the creators and they will own their properties. So this has got 
uh, Mirka Andolfo, Brian Azzarello, Mark Bernardin, Elsa Chartier, Becky Clunin, Francesco Francovia, Lee Garbett, Jock, Joel Jones, Ariella Cristantina, Christian Ward, James Tinian IV, Scott Snyder, Eduardo Rousseau, Ram V, Stephanie Phillips, Junko Mizuno, Jamie McKelvey, and Tula Lote. All those people who have something in this and all are owners of this company. And that is like a murderer's row of creators. Why is it called the Devil's Cut? That's the only part I didn't understand. They explain it at the beginning. It's like oh. the... Just a second. So it's the collected first statement of the founding creators and their friends. In the aging process, the whiskey that evaporates is called the Angel's Share. But the most potent spirits are captured in the wood. The Devil's Cut. You may want to sip these spirits slowly. They pack a punch. Where the hell are you reading that? It's on the back cover. Uh, so it's, oh, I never read the back cover. <laughs> yeah, so it's a reference to aging whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Um, so in the same spirit of Marvel 1000, we don't have to go through every one of these, but I do have to say that I think some of the most impressive art of the week outside of Marvel 1000 was in this book. Yeah. Um. Oh, who's the artist on this? Story, where is it? Where's the credits? Um, story. I don't even know what the story's called. It's the one with the woman with the the short white hair. Um, oh, the Elsa Chartier story, the one that's like kind of Darwin Cookie. Um, yes, that's yeah, that's so, written and drawn yes. by Elsa Chartier. Yeah, yeah, that was beautiful art. That was gorgeous, um, and and I think is maybe some of the closest art I've ever seen to Darwin Cook's. Like it's yeah. incredible and very much like Darwin's to me. Yeah, good call. I hadn't I hadn't put that together, but and of course Edward Rousseau's in here and he's gorgeous. The um, Eduardo Rousseau story, it's got Azarella wrote it, but the Rousseau yeah. art is some of the most gorgeous stuff I've seen in comics in a very long time. It didn't even immediately seem like Rousseau to me, but it's like no so watercolory and just like yeah, Andrew, I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on the Rousseau coloring because it is beautiful watercolors yeah the uh the splash page at the end of that story with the credits i would love to have that print just take all the text off it and and the dialogue and just that art is just fantastic yeah because like the really foreboding darkness on the left of that like yeah just catching the last glimpse of sunrise or sunset rather yeah yeah. I thought the Francesco Francavia Scott Snyder little story was only like seven pages. I thought that was actually really good. Like it, it was just a guy on a boat gets trapped on this boat and it's this Lovecraftian, you know, I was like, oh, wow, nice. That was just a very effective, like six issue horror, horror thing. Yeah, that story and Waiting to Die, the Rom V story. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, what happens next, which I can't find at the moment. That one's those right my, after. Oh, okay, yeah. those are my three favorite stories in this. Yeah, I really liked what happens next. Uh, that was written and drawn by McKelvey, uh, Jimmy McKelvey. And it was just like great world building. Yeah. Like a really great sci-fi world building. Yeah, yeah, it really made... I mean, I don't know if some of these are... I assume some of these are previews of... Um, upcoming series maybe upcoming books that's that's the question i don't that one for sure seems like one right yeah yeah sure did and i and if it is i definitely want to read more of this yeah yeah i didn't read the james tinney in the fourth one i like to see that the second one was written by mark bernardin who is 
a writer and podcaster and he did he's done a show with kevin smith for a long time but he's a sweetheart the joelle jones art in this like the just sort of like six page story with stephanie phillips the what's mine is hearse like the kind of lady in, in love with the dead body thing oh yeah that art was amazing like almost like adam hughes like the final panel of the girl driving in front of the car like yeah has like an adam hughes quality to me um yeah yeah and then yeah the becky clunin slash tula lote art in the final one just yeah i we sold out of these based on just kind of how much we were all enamored with it uh i also didn't order a ton i think i only got like 15 and nobody had asked for them um but i'm really glad that we sold out of them if you are able to get a copy you should it's it's a really really cool uh look at um art in the comics medium outside of what you normally get uh it's it's got it's really its own its own vibe for sure i i don't normally keep a comic that i take home from the shop but i'm keeping this one and it might be because there's that great page of darwin cook-esque elsa chartier drawn blonde lady boobs at the final page of that story <laughs> it's hard to not keep that yeah um roman that one's kind of hard to give a score to do you have a score for it though oh um i think i'll give it a good solid seven nice yeah, a lot of stories I didn't care about, but the ones I did, I really cared about. Yeah, uh, I'm grading it a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, I, I think that your score of the enjoyment or the quality maybe is is pretty close to what mine would be. But for me, I was just so pleasantly surprised. Uh, there's all sorts of like different companies popping up, publishing house, bad idea, all this stuff that like it's easy to get a little bit jaded for me on you know, when one starts, uh, and this one just actually got me excited. Uh, I was just like, wow, I, I really like all these creators. And, um, so the, the nature of it got me more excited. So I'm, I'm going to go 8.5 to a nine on that one just based on, on that. Um, okay. Roman, I think there's like two other things that are worth mentioning before we get out of here. And, and by all means, by, by all means, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but one of them would be the Batman, Catwoman, the Gotham War Battle Lines by Chip Zdarsky and Teeny Howard, art by yep. Matt Mike Hawthorne. Matt Hawthorne. Um, Nathaniel. Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> Isn't he an author? It's he's, Mike he's Hawthorne. So versatile. <laughs> um, this takes place right after Night's Night Terrors, so Batman yeah. has just fallen asleep for a long time. And I haven't been reading the Catwoman book because I give Teeny Howard a lot of chances, but she hasn't written anything that I've enjoyed yet. Um, so she's usually the mark of me jumping off of a book, sadly. Yeah. Um, but so apparently while Bruce has been passed out, Catwoman has made an ad- agreement with all of the criminals in Gotham, all the henchmen and stuff, that instead of like working for the big bads, she will train all of these people to be a really great cat burglar heist person um but they just have to agree that they're only stealing from rich people so now batman wakes up and she's like i gotta go tell batman but he's not gonna like that and so now we've just got this sort of like you know social issue of like is it okay to allow some crime against rich people if it means violent crimes are going down or is a crime a crime and god damn it my parents died because of crime so i'm not gonna let you be out there criming all over my goddamn crime streets um, um, I think that I will say that this is not particularly a story I want right now. I don't, I don't, I'm not clamoring for a Batman and Catwoman fighting story. I'm not fully done with them 
having romantic stories. So I don't really need this sort of contrived story as my thought. But Roman, please, what did you think? I felt the same going into this. Um, and it was another one, kind of an obligatory read, because I figured, well, I got to know what's going on with Bat and Cat. Um, but I ended up really liking that aspect. Okay. I mean, I, okay. with, the, with, the quali- with the qualifiers, yeah, I think considering their relationship and how recently they almost got married, they should be able to work this out. But I thought it was well portrayed in here how Catwoman is still pissed <laughs> about him like choosing to be Batman rather than marry her. Um, and I love some good social issues comics. I, I love her idea in this. Yeah. And I'm so glad because I thought the Batman Catwoman war, this is going to be stupid. But they actually could, came up with, I think, a good um, a good reason for it because I love her social issues approach and trying to make things better for low level henchmen by training them to be nonviolent criminals mm-hmm. and not have to work for the psychos. Um, it seems like, well, that she's got a lot of good points. It seems like this would be a way and it's, and it's working. It's reduced crime and violent crime in Gotham. Um, and all the bat family is at least considering it except for Batman. Um, and I love the fact that it was well-written that uh, the first two of the bat family that are like, huh, well, these are some good points is, Jason, the, the black one and the lesbian. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two, two of the you know people that have dealt with marginalization and and that kind of stuff in a way that you know, of course, Dick and Tim and and Bruce haven't. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I like hearing you say that. I yeah. I I think it's better than I just portrayed it. I think the art is pretty not that good, um, which kind of like no. puts it into a lower caliber for me. Um, but no, I do think ultimately that the issue that they're talking about uh, or or just the issue that's drawn up is a good one, which is like, you know, it's kind of that idea of like, is a little bit of bad okay if it's stopping large bad, you know, like that's kind of like the, the root of it, which is kind of a thing you see places, you know, like it's kind of a lesson in making concessions or a death by a thousand cuts or something, right? Because mm. it's... Yeah. Um, but... I think it's an interesting one because like the idea that maybe Catwoman has found a solution for Gotham. That's not Batman. Like I can see Batman rejecting that just for like, yeah, his dogmatic sort of absolutist or just defensive, like, well, I've dedicated my life to this. So by saying that this is a better alternative, it's kind of saying I'm dumb or something like that. So like, I, I think it's a good issue that's brought up, but I, I just, I was a little bit, the way that Bruce and Selena try and deal with it was a little bit like, you guys are smarter than this. You're like more respectful to each other Mm -hmm. than this. Like have a fucking conversation. Maybe don't do it in front of everybody and have a giant argument and storm out (laughs) and stuff. But like, it's a pretty important issue. So maybe talk about it. Yeah, that was, that was a little bit silly because I definitely, when I was reading, I was thinking, wow, this sure isn't the Tom King, Bruce and Selena Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. who would talk about this. Um, I mean, it is kind of funny that, Bruce is so dogmatic in that and reacts that way because I was thinking, oh, well, yeah, you're threatened because if this worked, you would have less excuse to be Batman and then right. you'd have to marry marry her. You just don't want to commit. <laughs> I can't even remember the end of their thing in the Tom King run. Was it him saying no or was she forcing him to say no because she thought Gotham needed Batman? And I thought, and maybe I just made it up or maybe it was a different timeline or something, but I thought that like they decided like, I'm going to take a year and then see if we want to get together. Or maybe that was the wedding. Like, I feel like there was like, we're going to take a year and then we'll decide or something. And that was like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I don't even quite remember how it all happened. Cause I, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't quite remember it either. Cause I remember Alfred and Selena having a talk 
and one of them sh- uh, yeah but that may have been up. the wedding when she <laughs> failed on him yeah or something. i mean I it, yeah i mean in this it definitely seems like catwoman's laying that all at his feet mm-hmm. for them not getting married and so yeah there were definitely all his, yeah but yeah there was definitely some weak things in here one of the weak things i thought was the scene between uh batman and and now commissioner montoya just because yeah just because, I mean, I mean, they even act like, I don't know, I forget who says it, but they act like they haven't worked together before, not only in um, in her role in the GPD, but also when she was the question. Yeah. And yeah, here act- Yeah, and here they're acting like the they don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and also Montoya says something about that's kind of disparaging of Commissioner Gordon and his methods. And, and I was thinking, well, that doesn't fit. She always, she was always one of the people on one of Commissioner Gordon's close confidants and she always respected him in the past <laughs> it's a good point so then what score do you give it um well well i'm going 7.5 um and I'm... i do want to be transparent about like me not wanting a batman catwoman fighting story is not necessarily a condemnation of the of the art of the work it's more i want to read them in love rather than fighting and having a kind of contrived yeah. argument and i'm hoping they get back to that their love thing uh, I'll give it an eight because it's better than I expected um, to the point Batman even starts on one of those great Batman rooftop scenes, starts wondering, well, is, is she right? Am I just being a dink? Um, but then of course there's, there's a murder that he's like, I was right in the first place. And yeah. then it looks like Zurin R Batman's coming, coming up again. Maybe I love Batman Zurin R and I like that chip has been using him. And it did feel to me like there was portions of this book clearly written by chip and clearly written by teeny Howard. Uh, which was one problem yeah. for me as well. Yeah, there was definite scenes. I was like, oh, this is a teeny Howard scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Roman, did you read The Plot Holes? I did. Sean Murphy's book. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but it came out from Massive. Uh, the Sean Gordon Murphy, Batman the White Knight, Punk Rock Jesus, also just a, a great artist that he's written for other people. Um, American Vampire. Uh, an artist I really, really like and have since before I started working at the comic shop, uh, he is writing and drawing this book for the publisher massive. And uh, I was just talking to Roman about how I finished rewatching community this week. And this book felt like a great thing to read after watching community. Cause it is an exploration and like how meta can we get with a comic book? And I, I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was pretty fun. I thought, I mean, yeah. I, I will say that, Meta is a, a weak point for me, which is to say, like, I, I am very into it. I love watching. We'll try to experiment with meta storytelling. And this one is, is experimenting with it. Yeah. And it, and it was really fun. Um, And yeah, that's how it's I mean, and, and some yeah, experimenting on there's a whole like um flashback sequence in this pages that's all in black and white. And I thought, well, that's a cool way to do a flashback in a comic. And well, um, and it's flashing back to the manga guy's reality, which would have been a black and white comic. Oh, I didn't manga, think of that. Yeah. So his reality oh, was black and white. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. This was fun. I'm, I'll, I'll definitely read some more of this. Yeah. Yeah. We basically meet this young guy and he's an author and he gets embroiled on an adventure with this team called the Plot Holes and they travel from piece of fiction to piece of fiction, clearing up story problems. And it turns out that this author lives in a story and now they get to do, it kind of reminds me of Planetary a little bit where it's like this clandestine organization that's jumping from like genre to genre and reality to reality. But in this one, you get like Lord of the Rings characters and Gundam manga characters. And like, it's, it's just a big meta mashup and I'm generally pretty into that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
And it's got a preview for the new Zorro comic, which looks cool. Which Murphy is also doing. Yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. I am I, very excited for that. <laughs> yeah, I really like his Zorro. That is awesome. Yeah, that is very exciting. I didn't know at first. I was like, is that like a part of this comic? Like, is that a book within this comic? It almost looks go like to or something. Um, and then also like Sean Gordon Murphy's art is fantastic. There's a great Cowboy Bebop reference in here. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, easy 8.5 for me. And I would encourage other people to check this out if there's still copies left. It is gorgeously done and a lot of fun if you like kind of meta storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give that an eight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Roman, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here and I go get my Chinese food? Just a, I'll just want to do a quick mention of the new um, Ms. Marvel. Oh, um, oh, I didn't get to take that home because I specifically didn't order enough of it. I oh. ordered twice as many as we were getting of the previous series, but because it's written by the actress, I didn't realize how much. Anyway, sorry. Oh. I've been making yeah. excuses for my bad order. I, 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 can, I can get you this copy I have if you want. I want to read it, but more than that, I want it to get onto the stand so people can get it. Yeah. Um, I'll just make a quick mention then that Ms. Marvel number one, the new mutant, because now because of at the Hellfire Gala special, she was resurrected and revealed to be not only an inhuman, but a mutant inhuman. Um, so she's back. And this new series is written by the uh, Ms. Marvel actor, um, Iman Vellani. And I apologize if I massacred the pronunciation of her name. Um Oh, and Sabir Prasada. And this, and I was worried because I was like, you know, I really like her show and I like her as an actor, but I wonder if she can write. And apparently she can because this was a really fun issue. Um, good storytelling. Uh, she definitely knows her Marvel history and, and has the voice not only of her character, but the family and other Marvel characters um, like Carol Danvers and Shadowcat. You know, it all felt like just solid, good Marvel storytelling. That's cool to hear. Uh, I like to hear that she clearly has a nice grasp of it. My only thought with that yeah. just being her age. Yeah, because I don't, I don't even know how old she is, but I would assume I think... like late teens, early twenties at most. But yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I, but yeah, wrong. this was yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, and unlike I feel like her appearances in uh, Amazing Spider-Man, I mean, this feels like the character we were reading before in her own series and and including from her original series. Um, so I had a lot of fun with it. I like she's, it. She's 21 years old. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, that's great to hear. Uh, I, I like her a lot. I like the art in that one. Uh, when I got to flip through it on Tuesday, I, I'm glad to see so many people have gotten it. I feel dumb to have not ordered enough of it, but, uh, but it's, it's great that that's a character that when there's a new series that comes out, people will jump on board for number one. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely give it a, give it at least an eight, maybe an 8.5. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, um, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us this week. You can send us an email like Will did for an intro to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. You could just email us a written out message if you got a question for us or if you just want to say something or if you want to send well wishes for my wedding. I don't know. I'm I'm now I'm just trying to guilt people into sending us emails. So I'm not <laughs> usually that self-serving um, unless you ask Django. He probably would say that I am. Um, but come on, uh, he's getting married. You could at least send an email. Yeah, come on. Um, but yeah, I'm doing that on the 23rd, everybody. Uh, so like I said, we're going to graciously take uh, two weeks off uh, leading up to that. And then I might even be gone the week after that. And it'll be on Django and Roman to record an episode. Uh, but that way 
We'll get to hang out with you guys. I'm sorry I'll be missing you, but like I said, we should be here next week, so hang out with us. There was a lot of really pretty cool comic books that came out this week. It was an exciting, surprising week for me, just uh, seeing some cool stuff in the books this week, that fucking Silver Surfer book. Wow. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Come visit us at the store. Uh, We'll miss you while we're gone. Um, And as always, I am Jeff. And I am Roman. And we love you. Good night.